Hebrews 11.1. 1. And then we'll also go to Matthew 19.26. I'll read some more verses as I go along. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about our precious faith. Guarding our precious faith. It's precious because it's a gift that God gives us, and it's also a fruit. Faith is both a gift and a fruit. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at that interesting setup, because it says now faith. Faith is always now. Faith is not for the future. Faith is always active. We spoke the last couple of weeks that faith is connected with the things that you do. Because what you have faith in, that's how you act, react, proact, whatever it may be. Faith is confidence in something or something. I can have faith in a man or a woman, they might fail me. But if I have faith in God, he'll never fail me. Faith is not some ethereal thing, something that you, know, you can't touch, some really weird thing. No, it's confidence. It's trust. So when we trust God, we understand that we're putting our confidence in his character, in his nature. And he's faithful. And I said last week that God's not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should repent. We call him the man upstairs, many of us. And that's not correct. He's not a man upstairs. God is a spirit. And he's perfect and he's holy, holy, holy. So faith is the substance of things that you hope for. You hope for them because you're praying to God and he promised them to us. In the scripture, there's so many verses uh, of promises to us as human beings. Substance of things hoped for. Faith becomes a substance and an evidence of things that you don't see with your natural eye. So even though you don't see it yet, you can confide in God that it will come to pass. Right? So, Father, we thank you for this series that we're talking about um, and that we're sharing regarding faith. I pray, Lord God, that you open up the eyes of our understanding because I know that in this season, many people's faith has been buffeted. We've been vexed. We've been inundated by voices from many different spheres. We hear voices of humans and philosophies in school, at work, uh, through the news, through the media, uh, Lord God, through Hollywood, everybody's talking, everybody's demanding, everybody's upset, everybody's offended, everybody wants something for their own special interest. And Lord, this nation is being torn apart at the seams. And people of faith have been affected greatly. And some dare not even speak today because they're being intimidated in their faith. Some dare not speak today because they're going to be challenged. Uh, some might lose their work, their jobs. Some uh, might be ostracized, uh, even from their own family, because of their faith. But I thank you for our precious faith. Because, Lord, even it says in Hebrews eleven six, we can't even please you without faith. So, God, today I pray, by your Holy Spirit, open up the eyes of our understanding. I pray that you water our faith, strengthen our faith today. Help us, Lord God, to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Restore to us the passion, Lord God, of our trust in you, my God. That people might see the light coming from us. We are light of the world. That people might 
be able to taste the salt coming from us because we are salt of the earth. That they might see Christ in us, the hope of glory. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of God. So we spoke last two weeks that faith comes by hearing. Then we said in Matthew 19.26, Matthew 19.26, all things are possible to him who believes. When Jesus looked at them, he said to them this, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So we need to understand that when we submit ourselves to the world's systems, the world's statistics, the world tells you, you can't do this, this doesn't work, you can't do this. I was just listening to a testimony of a doctor, a head surgeon, um, a person had coded, by that means, you know, basically I died and the machines were going crazy, and, and so they were working on this man for 45 minutes. He just got to the emergency room and fell, fell dead. They worked on him for 45 minutes, and this head surgeon came in, and they tried and tried. He seems, he's gone. There's no life in him. So they called it, put the time. You know, once they put the time, that's it. And as he walks out, the Spirit of God tells him, pray for him. So he had a big battle with that because as head surgeon, they all know him there. And as a scientific type of mind, he knows there's no life in that body. It's not like within the... The four-minute scope, you could get a person back. They won't suffer any brain damage. They worked for him for 45 minutes. And so he ignored it the first time. And as he continued walking, the voice of God again told him, go pray for him. And he knew God enough, because he was a Christian, to obey God. He says, well, God, I'll obey you, and I'll go back in there. So he went back in there. The nurse was dressing the body. And uh, he says, uh, move over just a moment. She says, what are you doing? He says, just let me do what I need to do. He says, Father, if it be your will, and if it's not this man's time, I pray that life come back to his body. I pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That was his prayer, simple prayer. Didn't do any jumping and, you know, any hooping and hollering. Just very quiet, very serene. The nurse right there looking at him. And then he, he told one of the doctors over there, can you please do me a favor, paddle him one more time. He says, doctor, he's dead. There's no life in him. Can you do me a favor for me? Paddle him one more time. So they put those electric paddles on him. And immediately, the heartbeat started. And about a minute later, the man started breathing. The nurse started screaming. What did you do to him? Oh, blew everybody away. So the, the guy had no brain damage at all. And it shows him talking, he's sharing. He says, you know, I thank the doctor because, you know, he, he loved me enough to pray for me. You see, so we know that with God, all things are possible. Say that with me. All things are possible. So we have to disconnect ourselves, not so much to facts because facts, we, we work with them. But we understand that when we put things in God's hands, God is beyond facts. He, he flies above the problem. We know the problem's there. People of faith do not ignore the problem. People of faith are very pragmatic. We understand this in the natural is impossible. 
we need divine intervention. But with God, all things are possible. So I'm not going to give up, even though that person told me it can't happen. Hey, listen, it was impossible to run a four-minute mile. Yeah, it was. It was impossible. They said the heart would burst. Doctors say you can't run a mile in less than four minutes. It, 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 was, it was a wall. It was a limit. But how come men and women are running in less than four miles today? Why? Because one man dared to do it. One man dared to challenge that notion, challenge the fact. And he, when he broke it, and after that, everybody started coming right behind him. Once the fact is broken, then we realize, oh, it wasn't a fact. It was a belief system that limited us in that area. What happened? One man passed the chariot? In the Bible. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was uh, the prophet. He ran faster than a chariot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of crazy things in the Bible. But when you consider who's the one that told him to do it, then you'll realize that he gave him a grace. He gave him an anointing to be able to do things that could not normally be done. Like, for example, Samson. Samson. I'm kind of hungry, so I said salmon. <laughs> so Samson, he literally carried, what it was, a one or two ton gate for a mile? Come on, that's, that's, that's an anointing. It's, it's, it's a, a divine help. It's an extra to your ordinary. What I'm saying is that this still happens today. The problem is that most of us don't engage our faith with God. We don't journey with God. We're not believing God for big things. Most of us are just enduring the moment. Most of us are just journeying through life, just getting by. We don't believe that God could do big things and great things in our lives. Or we did before, but we've been buffeted by the enemy for so long, we no longer believe it. I got no amens. If I get no amens, that means that it's hitting you. Praise God. But we've got to get back to believing God for big things. Hey, the world does it all the time. They believe, you know, they believe for big things. They partner together. Big, big, they build big buildings, bridges. Uh, you know, right now, uh, what's that? Space colonies. Space colonies. They believe for big things. See, that was put in there by God. See, we're, we're, we're made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. We can believe for big things. The problem is, is that their mindsets around us, their mindsets in us ourselves. And we think that it can't be done. I can't do it. You might be able to do it, but I can't. Why? Who told you you can't? There's an embedded mindset that's not God. It's a self-imposed or maybe a family imposed it upon you or your experiences. Maybe you failed in something in the past and now you dare not try anything else because you don't want to go through that anymore. It's too hard. One of the gentlemen who, who's a millionaire, uh, we were sitting with him. He was saying, you know what businessman means in the original language? A risk taker. Because that's what you do. When you open up a business, you're a risk taker. And the world, they do it all the time. And you know, not for nothing, but our United States government helps us because they allow us to form corporations to protect us because they know it's a risk. You're putting your own money, your own future, your name, 
So the corporations allow you to take tax deductions to help you, to spur you, to, so you could create business because business helps community. Business creates work, it creates jobs. It helps community, right? So, I mean, I was in an area that they had uh, the church owned. <laughs> Amazing. They owned the subways. I'm not talking about, you know, subways that take you f to Manhattan. Well, the, you know, subways, uh, the franchise subways. They had a Wendy's there. Yeah, a, a Subway's restaurant, right? They had Wendy's, but there were no, like, really nice, fancy restaurants. And, and I wanted something deeper, you know, like maybe some good arroz con gandule. Some, something that would stick to my ribs. There was nothing really there. So for three days, yeah, right? So for three days, I had to have Wendy's. Yeah, Wendy's. Wendy's and Subway's. So when I finally got back, I went out there got me one of these restaurants, sat down with my wife, and we had a, you know, something a little better than that. But the point is, the point is, that if the church wouldn't have taken that whole area and decided, you know, we got to put something to eat at least, you know. And so they bought a Wendy's. And, and they bought a, a, a little pizza joint, and they also bought a Subway's. That, that's the point. Why can't we do that? The, the thing is, we can. We can do whatever we want to do. The problem is most human beings will never because they don't dare. Because there's a self-imposed limit in their mind. Or they never learned it from their parents, so they don't have that, that type of critical thinking that allows them to say, well, we can do this, and actually this will help my children, my grandchildren, it'll help community, right? Uh, I would love across the street a, a nice restaurant you know, that you know, has different type of foods. It'll help community, obviously, because there's no other one around here that I know. You know, I keep on telling all of you that dollar store next door belongs to us. Amen. They just don't know it yet. You know, so, so what I'm saying is we have the ability, if we can see the way God sees, to literally change landscapes, to literally shift the economy of our children and our children's children. What does it say in Scripture? The righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Once again, that three-generation thing, father, son, and grandson. See? But are we thinking that way? The answer, unfortunately, for most of us is no. We're just thinking about how we're going to pay our bills for next month. It's, it's a silly moment. It's a moment for you to consider, for, for you to think. Amen? But when we get to the atmosphere of faith, it takes us beyond what we have experienced. It takes us beyond our limits. Remember in the Old Testament I shared last week? how there were 12 spies that Moses sent into a land. God said, that land belongs to you. So go in there, spy it out, plan, map it out, and see how you're going to take it. It's yours. I bequeath it to you. So 12 spies were sent. Each spy was a leader of his clan. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Each leader came from a tribe. Leader. Not a beginner, not a novice. A leader. One that's supposed to, that, that's supposed to disciple their children catechize their children, or catechism, discipleship, right? So they were sent in there not to see whether they could take it or not, because God said it's theirs, but just to look to see where the roads are, what's the best way to take the land. When they came back, those 12 spies gave a report. Ten of the spies said, well, God said it's true. There's, there's milk and honey in that land, beautiful fruit. They even brined the fruit. Two men had to carry the fruit. It was so heavy. 
Imagine grapes so heavy that you, you need two, two guys to carry it. Wow. He said, but there's one problem. The problem is that there's giants in there. We can't defeat those giants. They're bigger than us. From what we've heard, they eat their enemies. There goes that hearing thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. They were hearing that the enemies, they are so bad that they'll eat them up. See, so they were hearing. Problem is they weren't hearing God. They were hearing the circumstance. They were hearing the voices of their day. Two of the spies, however, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, God said, that it's a beautiful land, and it is. Yeah, and yeah, there are giants, but God will give us the ability to root those giants out. No problem, because God is greater than them. So we can do it now. Let's go in right now. They were ready. And what happened was, is that these men started complaining so much that the almost 1.2 or more million people suddenly got dissuaded from believing God and instead started hearing the negative report. Why is it, question, why is it that most of us will receive a negative report quickly without even thinking twice? But when we receive a positive thought, a positive scripture, something that can help us to, to break through, is very hard for us to do. Because our nature of the fallen man, the nature of the fallen man is mostly negative. We identify with the negative. We have a hard time identifying with these God possibilities. These ten men came back and they literally inflamed an entire nation into criticizing the men of God. So what happens? They all start crying. They all start screaming. And uh, Joshua and Caleb, they stand up. They say, no, don't worry. Believe God. Don't do this. And they said, let's stone them. And here's the problem. When you start speaking of vision, when you start thinking of greater things, when you start telling your family, your friends, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to get my degree, or I'm going to be a preacher, I'm, I'm going to open up a church, I'm going to I'm gonna go with missions, or I'm going to become a millionaire because I want to help to finance the kingdom of God, whatever it is that God calls you to do, the first ones that are going to criticize you and want to stone you, maybe not with physical stones, but certainly with their criticism, can be your own family. Wow, blows me away. You would think that they would want to spur you on. It says, yeah, man, you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. First thing you'll hear is, ¿Quién tú crees que tú eres? Who do you think you are? You're not anything. I know, from when you, I know the family you come from. You guys can't do that. Listen, I've heard it myself. My family told me when I first started studying and and, and, and growing, you know, when I went to school, union school in the 80s, I, I, at first, one of the first persons I told my dad, Dad, I'm going to become a resident manager. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to get a nice apartment. I'm going to uh, live in the city of Manhattan. You know the first thing my dad told me? I was a doorman at the time. You know what he told me? He told me, son, be careful. Be careful because you may fail. And you got a good job. You don't want to let that job go. You know what he was? You know what he worked as? A doorman. He could not see beyond that. And the minute I told him, I'm seeing something beyond, he gave me concern. Now, having said that, I understand it. He didn't have the revelation I had caught. You know, I, I had heard the faith messages. I had heard, you know, God uh, challenging me to do more. Right? So I, I said, Dad, just watch me prosper. That's what I told him. So help me, this is what I told him. 
And years later, I was able to help him get a job. And years later, wherever he would go, he said, that's my son. He's a resident manager. He's doing very well. He was very happy for me. He was very proud of me. But I had to break through. I could not depend, and I'm speaking to somebody today. Right now, I'm sensing this in my spirit. There's somebody I'm talking to right now. You're in a struggle, and you're the one that's going to break through. And when you break through, everybody else will run the four-minute mile behind you. <laughs> Hallelujah! Glory to God! Another thing we shared last week, and, and this I just want to repeat it, is that Jesus said, don't take any thought saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to eat? You know, complaining. We're always complaining. We think about it, and we immediately we start talking. We don't put a filter to our mouth. You hear some, you repeat it. You know, many people have different gifts. There's a gift, I don't see it in Scripture, but yet some people think they have it. It's called the gift of gossip. <laughs> what page? That's what, I'm still looking for it, man. The truth of the matter is, this is a dangerous thing. But we don't even think. We just talk. We just talk. We hear it in our minds, immediately, bam. And, and Jesus said, don't take a thought upon yourself by saying it, by declaring it. See, if you read the book of James in first chapter, it says it's not a sin to think of something. If it comes to your mind. Because, you know, the enemy could project thoughts to you. Your own spirit man, by experience, could project. Your sin nature can project things. Sometimes my mind thinks a thing, I go, shut up. No, serious. Yeah, yeah, I have to sometimes battle my own mind. I have disciplined my soul, my spirit man, so that when, when these thoughts come, I go, okay, I discern it. This is not God's will. Get out of here. See, you have to get to that point where you discern the thoughts that come to you because what you speak, the Bible says, in the mouth, one has the power of Oh, you know the verse. One has the power of life and death in the power of the tongue. So when we criticize or when we think of something and immediately throw it out there, we're literally creating an atmosphere. We're creating an environment. We're, we're creating a bubble of sorts. Is it a bubble of faith? Is it an atmosphere or an environment that's going to press you forward? In the last couple of weeks, I've had to continually declare the Word of God because negative thoughts come or challenges come. You know, you're talking big and what, what's going to happen? I go, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can certainly do all that God called me to do. He empowers me. The greater one lives within me. I have the mind of Christ. See, that's what the Scripture says about me. So I can either choose to be like the ten spies, and the ten spies said, they're giants of the land, the roof is falling, the roof is falling. Or I can be like Joshua and Caleb, and says, yeah, there might be giants, but what was the difference between the ten and the two? Focus. Focus. It's you determine, and you make a decision as to what you want to focus on. Oh, the world is horrible, everything's going crazy, Trump is destroying everything, everything. Or you can say, I'm responsible for my own future. You're always going to have uh, politicians you disagree with. You're always going to have crises in the earth. Always. There's always going to be a crisis. There's always going to be not enough here, not enough there, a problem. You're always going to have crisis in the family. But are you the one that's going to come into the family and bring the healing and bring the restoration and bring back the faith in the family? 
Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what God said to those ten spies? And to everybody that chose to believe them over him? He says, your own words incriminate you. I am going to do to you what your own words have declared. I'm getting no amens anymore. I lost some of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Imagine God saying that. I'll be scared to just say just anything. I'll, I'll measure my words. Right, 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 right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. We have to measure the things we say. Take no thought and say. No, measure your thoughts and say only what thus saith the Lord. What does thus saith the Lord? Well, read the scripture. Get into the book and start memorizing scripture. Now, here's the issue. Remember I said earlier, I'll repeat it again. Faith people don't deny that there are issues. Faith people don't deny that there are problems. But we understand that when you put them in God's hands, there's a higher order there. God can turn around a situation in a heartbeat. Hallelujah. So when I consider, uh, now you men, this is Father's Day. God told, actually it was David that told uh, Solomon. He said, Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all men. Notice he was very ill. He was about ready to die. Then you know he told Solomon? Solomon? He said, be the man. That's in scripture. Be the man. You think that's a new saying? David told his son, be the man. And the connotation was there. The connotation was take responsibility. Don't be like those ten spies which choose to justify their inaction by pointing to something else. Oh, well, they're not doing it. That church isn't doing it. So what? Their assignment is different than yours. Praise God. Well, they're not doing it. Or, well, they're saying it, so I can say it too. No, maybe their words are messing them up. You might be around people that have cursed their own selves because of the words that are constantly coming out of their mouth. You need to learn how to discern these things. I love my friends. I love my church family. I love my family. But sometimes I hear people. I remember years ago, my mom said, you, you know, uh, Victor, Victor. She calls me Victor. Or she calls me, don't, ever, don't call me this because I'm not going to respond to you, right? <laughs> she calls me Victor now, mostly. But she used to call me Papo. That was my nickname when I was a kid. Papo. Yeah, Papo, Papo. She's saying, you know, the Nazarios, they're crazy. Yeah, she used to say that. I'm a Nazario. The Nazarios are crazy. They cut themselves up with machetes up in Puerto Rico. And I heard her say that. I was saying, man, she's, you know, she doesn't like the Nazarios too much, doesn't she? And she would say that over and over and over. And after a while, I started really growing in the word. And I started really understanding the power of your tongue and the things you say about yourself. And, and I, I caught a new revelation of, of who I am and what I can bring to my name, to my future, to my children, my grandchildren, right? And so one day she says that, los Nazarios, tan loco, they're crazy. And I said, Mom, I'm sorry I don't receive that. And don't ever tell me that again. I'm a good man. I'm a spirit-filled man. And I'm a righteous man. And the Bible says that my children are blessed after me. 
You know, I, I bring an inheritance to my children's children. I, I, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. Don't ever say that again. The Nazarians are good people. We're anointed people. See, you have to speak to your future like that. You have to declare something. You have to break the spirit of, of poverty, the, the spirit of hopelessness and despair. If you don't do it, who is going to do it? And so, you know, when, when, when I told my mother, I says, well, excuse me, she says. I says, no, 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 don't say that anymore. I take umbrage to that. Umbrage, offense. I take offense to that. I, I don't receive that. So we're good men. You know, and, and, and I need to understand that as a father, it's my responsibility to shift the atmosphere. Man of God, be the man. Rise up with God's faith in you and, and believe for great things because that pastor, he told me, I'm fourth generation. But his father gave him everything he needed. So by the time he trampolined into ministry, he had resources. He had tools. His, actually, his family, since the 40s, his great-grandfather, no, no, his grandfather used to do hair cutting and, and, and um, anything to do with, with hair products. And what they did is in the 70s, they started gathering together every year. Uh, a different uh, uh, cross-section of beauticians, of people that needed products in the hair industry. And today, they're one of the premier companies that offer uh, a big conference of beauticians, and, and, and he's a pastor. They are the biggest one. But he saw that, and by the time... It was his turn. The father and the grandfather and the great-grandfather had passed on a baton to them of resource, of wisdom, of understanding, of training. Instead of saying, boy, you're not going to amount to anything. They were busy catechizing them, training them, discipling them, letting them know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can be the one that takes this to the next level. And even though the father isn't with them anymore, he would be so proud because he took what the father did and he's taken it so much further. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as, as people of faith, come on, let's give God a good praise. It's your privilege and honor to be able to give them a baton that's full, that's packed in their future. My privilege to do that with the children and now I'm working on the grandchildren. I'm saying, man, I got to save a lot of money. I, I got to help these kids. God give me life and health. God's my provider, but I am their provider. Because we are made in the image of God and the likeness of God. So fathers are providers. And I know mothers too, but you know, today's Father's Day, so give us, cut us some slack. We had a great Mother's Day here. We celebrated you. Lovely. So it's, it's, give us at least 10 minutes of the message, right? Praise God. So... When I, when I share with you, these are your greatest days ahead. Do you say, amen? amen? Or do you say, I don't know, man. I don't know. Things are tough. It doesn't look like the United States is going to be alive for the next two months, man. I think we're going to implode. You know? Someone gave a prophetic word not so long ago. And they said that when the volcano goes off, when the volcano erupts, there's going to be a natural sign on this earth realm. God is using that as a sign. He's going to bring forth a new revival, a new wave, a move of his spirit. And he's going to start exposing things in government, you know, in academia, you know, the judges. He's going to start exposing people. He's going to start cleaning the nation. 
So look for the sign. And I don't know, but look what happened in Hawaii. So I'm saying, uh, could it be, could it be, could it be, could it be? And I'm seeing how, man, everything is being exposed now. People don't, don't uh, trust their government anymore. So many bad things are happening. Don't lose hope. God is just letting things come up that have been hidden, that have been there all along. And both houses have got to be cleaned. We all have to be cleansed, you know. And, and judgment starts at the house of God. So God's cleaning us up, right? But he's also doing a global work. Some people say, oh, it's the last days. Jesus is coming. Listen, we were saying this in the 70s. I got saved in 1974. And they were saying, Cristo viene. Christ is coming, right? And then they start, instead of saying Christ is coming soon, they were saying, Cristo viene ya. In other words, Christ is imminently coming. Right? One guy preached that since 1977 was coming on, and, God, and the seven is God's number, perfect number, that he would come, uh, he was inferring that he might come 1977. So all of 1977, I was like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Don't, don't leave me, don't leave me. <laughs> that was a hard year for me, man. I was a teenager, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm afraid. The guy's name was, uh, not Guy, this, he was a precious preacher, but, you know, we believed him at that time. His name was G.J. Avila. He was a Spanish Pentecostal premier evangelist. And so anything he said, most Spanish Pentecostals believed him. It turned out not to be true. Guess what? We're in 2018. Jesus still hasn't come. You know the one I live by? This is the verse I live by. Occupy until he returns. That's it. Notice, until he returns, when he returns is his business. Occupying is my business. If I have health, if I have strength, it's still my job to disciple, to train, to prepare, to expand. Jesus said multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That's not just birthing a lot of people. That's expand on the earth. Expand the wisdom of God, the grace of God. Start in your Jerusalem, then go to Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So God bless you fathers and your Father's Day. And you mothers, God bless you for all that you do. Some of you mothers have to, have to be father and mother. And, and I celebrate you. But... I celebrate your faith because it is in faith that we're going to accomplish the greatest things that we have ever seen in our communities in the coming days and years. As Christ tarries, I believe that there's an anointing and a favor and a wisdom that's coming upon us that's going to allow us to do greater things that we had seen our fathers and mothers do. And it's God's will that it be so. Jesus said, I return to the Father. You will do greater things than I because I return to my Father. Are you ready to do greater things? Yeah. All right. Well, that means, that means that you have to identify your biases. You have to identify your limits, the limits that are in you. I can't identify them for you. You know your limits. You know, and you struggle with them. We all do. We all have limits that we have to struggle with. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to break through these struggles and dare to be more, dare to do more, dare to reach out, dare to break the mold, dare to challenge the self-received um, notions and, and mindsets or maybe your family mindsets. Be the person in your family that breaks those walls, those barriers. Praise God. I know some of you are, some of you are studying and, and, and breaking through, and I'm so proud of each and every one of you. But there are some today that are hearing this for the very first time. And let me, let me get all of your attention for a moment. For those of you that are hearing this for the first time, God brought you here. Amen. God wanted you to, to, to hear how much he loves you. God wanted you to hear that he wants to do great things through you and in you. 
And he wants, he, he's saying, I, this is what I'm hearing right now. He says, give me an opportunity to walk with you. And I'll do things in and through you that you never thought, that you never uh, planned for, that you never even realized. Because I knew you before you were ever born. And I have destined great things for your life. So the Lord is saying to you, he's about ready to show you some things. He's about ready to, 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 to uh, it, it's almost as bring forth hidden things that were in your spirit. You were not even aware that were there. Yeah, for there are things that are coming up that are for this generation. They were hidden for a season, but God is saying they're going to come forth now. So you're going to sense a draw. You're going to sense a tug. You're going to sense a pulling of the Spirit of God. And God is saying now is the time where these things need to come forth. These giftings, these wisdom, this understanding needs to come forth. This is the season for it. Allow it to come forth. Partner, dare to partner with me and watch where I will take you. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Bow your heads with me. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Your grace, Lord God. Your grace abounding in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the precious people that are here today. For your sons and daughters that are here. Thank you, my God. I pray, Father, that you open up the eyes of their understanding. Because you're doing something in them. You're, you want to do something through them. You want to partner with them, Lord God. You want to bless them. And I thank you that at age 15, Lord, when I went to that church and they spoke faith to me, Lord, it, you just blew my mind away. You said that you loved me. And you said that you had something special for me. And then you told me that one day I would be a pastor. Wow. And today I'm walking it. So, Father, thank you that you know our substance. You know, Lord God, who we are. You know what you placed inside of us. So I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, that you would open up the eyes of the understanding of each person here. Let that passion flow. Let that passion come forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. amen.